You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to my ancestors and to yours, to those people who lived well and who died well, to those people that face the challenges of their time in such a way that they bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us, that they are the source of this great legacy, this great rich resource to draw on, that we can actually learn from those who have gone before us, to draw that wisdom forward in a way that we... um, If we make mistakes, that we make new mistakes, mistakes that have not been made again and again and again by humanity. And so we ask these ancestors to help us, to grow wise from those who have gone before us, to support us in not being afraid to innovate and to change, to transition, to move in new ways that maybe have never been seen before. And we ask these ancestors to really help us to be the people we were born to be and to be the medicine for our world. So we call out to these ancestors to be with us today and we thank them for their presence and reach through them to those beings who were here long before there was ever a human. And we call out to those non-human ancestors also to be with us here today. Help us to surrender into our true nature and allow that true nature to give us perspective that we do not lose our sense of our place in the great web of life and that we do not lose our understanding that all that we do, we do in a way that is good for all life. And with these ancestors in their many forms gathering around us here today, we give great thanks. And we take a moment now to gather ourselves from wherever our mind might be back into our own awareness, drawing this energy into our head. And breathing deeply as we slow down and begin to focus and draw our energy into our heart. And breathing even more deeply, slowing down even a bit more as we draw this energy down into our belly. And from our belly, let us reach down to touch the energy of the earth. And take a moment just to give thanks for the journey, for all that has happened in your life that has brought you to this moment. For all that is in this moment and all that will be, we give enormous gratitude for the beauty and the diversity in life, for all of those challenges life has brought us that has been the forge on which we have been cast to make us into the true instrument of change that we are meant to be. We give gratitude for all that is in this moment and for all that will be. We give gratitude for the actual miracle of life itself, for awe for wonder, and for mystery. With thanks in our heart for all of these things, we let the gratitude pour out of our heart as we move down through all the layers of the earth, letting that thanks be 
flowing into each layer as we move down, flowing and flowing and flowing as we move down, focusing down to the very center of the earth. And we take a moment there to connect into this energy, this energy that is taken for granted in our contemporary life, this energy that is not valued, and yet it is the energy that is before everything else here on the face of this planet. So we connect into that which is silent and dark and still. That is not flashy, is not fast, is not hot and passionate. That energy that is before, that nourishes and sustains all things. We connect into this energy that we would draw up into ourselves to renew and to replenish. So we slow down even more and touch into this energy into this place of peace and reconciliation. And we reach deeply into this energy to draw it up. Just like fresh, clear, cool water on a hot summer day, we draw this energy up and drink it in, allowing it to refresh and renew and restore as we draw this energy up through all the layers of the earth and into our body and into our day, into these proceedings. And we call on the energy of the earth to bring with it all the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. We call on this energy to help us understand how to ground here into the earth and to ground ourselves into our body. And in doing this, to come to understand where it is that we stand in life and what we stand for. And to build our sense of home and belonging in this place, in these things that have heart and meaning, these things that we value. And as we build that sense of hearth and home and belonging, let us do so in a way that sets a place at the table for the other, that lights a candle for those who are lost, that opens up our sense of belonging in a way that is not the belonging of sameness, but the belonging of a heart well met in life. And we call these energies in that we might be challenged by that which is other than who we are to become a better version of ourself. And we ask these energies into our life to challenge us to become the men and women that we've truly come into these lives to be. And with the energy of the earth moving through our life, let us come into right relationship with ourself, right relationship with each other, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the invisible world. And let us understand about connection and interconnection, interdependence, and let our awareness extend out into that great web of life. And may we be blessed in this day with a moment of feeling ourselves in that web, feeling our place in the great oneness and to take that understanding of who we are from that moment of clarity and let us draw the energy of the earth up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and send this beautiful clear pure silvery energy up and out the top of our head to greet the day whatever it holds for us whatever weather is there in the sky above you reaching out through the sky and out through the atmosphere out into the cosmos reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe, connecting there, however you conceive of this energy, by whatever name you call it, as you connect with it, see yourself in it and it in you. And then draw this energy down, drawing into yourself, into these proceedings, into your day, drawing in this essence energy of blessing and protection, drawing in devotion and commitment to your journey, to your destiny, to life. 
calling in these energies that are benevolent, that inspire and illuminate the way. We call in all the wisdom of the cosmos and the beneficence of this existence. We draw these energies in, into our mind and heart and belly and send them down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we intentionally open ourselves up and nourish this connection. We open ourselves up to it and we nourish it. This connection between heaven and earth. These two great legendary lovers. It is from their meeting that all of this experience of life that we have is born. And we give gratitude to these two energies for filling us and for bringing to us that that fundamental energy of this big love. And may that energy awaken the spirit of our own heart. And when our heart awakens, may it open up that crucible of transformation that the heart is designed to be. And may you draw up the fiery passions of your belly and draw down the crystal clarity of your mind and let these energies come together in your heart. As different as they are, let them dance together in a way that that dynamic tension gives birth to the third and very sacred thing that you carry, which is your sense of why you are here, whether it is a heart memory or a sensation, a vision, or simply a passion within you. Know in this moment why you are here and find the courage in your heart to do something, large or small, to bring that knowing into manifestation. And we give great gratitude to all the spirit energies around us that support us in our efforts in life. And we ask that what needs to be said, be said here today. What needs to be heard, be heard. And that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So with enormous gratitude in my heart for all of the help that we have, I also want to give thanks to you for helping me. So I give thanks to Sarah and Elise, Elizabeth, Darcy, Deborah, Mina, Joanne, and Maria. And all of the listeners who have donated to the show. I am enormously grateful for that financial help. For those of you that are listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported. There are takes thousands of dollars to keep the show on the air all year long and to keep it free out there on the internet, on iTunes, and at, at uh, whyshamanismnow.com and at the co-creatornetwork.com site. And I give gratitude to those of you that make that possible. And so if this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, let that movement in the heart motivate your actions. And I ask you to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow and to be more vital and strong. So if you are not able to donate to the show, please feel free to do something else, to share the show with others, to do those things that happen through these great communication networks that we have. But even more to the point... Um, I invite you to bring the ideas into your life, to bring them into your own shamanic practice, to wrestle with them, to throw them around a little bit, to see what happens, um, and let them bring up questions, let them bring up new show ideas, let these awarenesses come, and please feel free to share them with me. But most of all, share, connect, communicate, and create um, new ways of being in the world. And so for all you are doing to help the show to grow in the many ways, I give great thanks. If you do want to donate financially, the easiest way to do that is go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the support button, donate any amount, large or small, it all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you are uncomfortable with that kind of electronic transaction, you are welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and um, I'm happy to give you a regular address for a regular old-fashioned check. Um, so... 
Also, we are live today, and we're actually continuing with um, a show from two weeks ago about how do we rise up after our life has fallen apart. Um, Last week, we also had our guest, Mary Shutan, who was talking about her new book, but in particular, this whole topic of an aspect of life falling apart that comes when we're having some kind of spiritual awakening or some sort of energetic awakening that is appearing as a crisis. <laughs> and um, uh, Mary does beautiful work as a practitioner with that, and her book is an excellent resource for those of you that who have had a life falling apart for that reason. Um, but there are many ways and many reasons our life falls apart, and sometimes we even need to be the one to tear it apart ourselves. With that said... Um, we do then need to rebuild. And so this is kind of part two, um, talking about how we rebuild a life um, after our old life has fallen apart or been torn apart one way or another. So if you have questions about today's show, you're welcome to call in. We are live, so you can call in at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com from the site um, but you can also email me at any time at christina at lastmaskcenter.org sometimes I answer your questions sometimes I stick them in a file for new show ideas um, you never know what happens actually with your questions but I appreciate all of them okay so what we're talking about here today is that these moments in life when we realize that the very construct of the life we have created to survive and to thrive is in and of itself now the problem. And this is not an uncommon experience for contemporary people. You are not alone. Okay, and as I said, about a month ago I did a show called The Art of Falling Apart. And that show was specifically for people whose life construct um, works great too well and that they actually need to tear it apart because the very thing that they want to get at in their life is kind of underneath that basement that they've created that it's a sort of a false floor and how to break through that and why how we would know that we need to break through that and so so the point is from a shamanic perspective that keeping it together and always having everything kind of uh, looking good is not necessarily highly valued. What is valued is understanding where you are in life and manifesting your destiny. And for us as contemporary people, often that, that uh, need to manifest our destiny leads us out of the life that we've built. And so then how do you tear that apart? That's what the first show was about. So anyway... What we, what I uh, then, because of people's questions, realized is I really neglected these companion shows, which is okay. So how do we put it back together again? So la- uh, two weeks ago, when I did part one of how do we put it back together again, we explored sort of co-creating a new life with spirit using shamanic skills, and in particular using the dynamics of physical life. In other words, grounding yourself in physical life, like getting a job. Um, so that your vision gets brought down into reality, allowing your mind then to balance this uh, dynamic between discipline and imagination. If it, fly, if it stays stuck in discipline, it can get real stagnant and nothing new happens. 
But if it flies off into imagination without any of this dynamic tension, we end up all in fantasy and delusion. And that, that is a serious problem and a common problem when people are wanting to rebuild a new life or to build a new life. Okay. So we're trying then to create a, a, a transitional situation but a stable situation nonetheless that is allowing the mind to be in a place of balance between discipline and imagination so that it can actually rise up and do its job to guide us towards a new life. Um, and so I want to continue exploring that um, today mostly to look at um, some of the myths that people stumble on as they reach out for help and how do I rebuild a life. So let me review the basics of last week because it's really um, about kind of elemental questions. As you, you're, you're rising up out of the ashes, wiping the dust out of your eyes, um, making sure you know, you're not standing there naked in your underpants. You know, you're trying to get a grip. Where am I? What, getting your bearings in life right? Then what? Okay. So the first thing that we talked about was that part of the reason you're even asking this question, how do I create a new life, is that you don't remember what you did to create the first one. Because Everything that got set in motion to create the first life was set in motion throughout childhood when your focus was being a child. And um, part of the reason the lives we need to deconstruct, deconstruct need to be deconstructed is that in a culture that doesn't then initiate the child into adulthood, we've then built our quote-unquote adult life on childhood thinking. Right, But basically... In the beginning, you arrived infused and wise, coming from your connection with spirit. And you have enormous awareness of spirit here. Your soul, in other words, your immortal soul, is timeless. It's been here before. It will be here again. It, it has a sense of what is going on. But the body that you're born into is an infant body and it is by its own nature dependent on other human beings who are by their nature flawed. Wonderfully, beautifully loving but flawed because they're human just like you. And so what happens is you begin learning how to survive immediately from the humans that are caring for you. And through that process you start creating beliefs and values. These beliefs and values may have absolutely nothing to do with the greater truths of life. They have to do with surviving in the life that you're in. And this is what you then build your first life on. And, and we don't remember having done that. But part of the point of bringing this up is to recognize your new life has to be built on beliefs and values too. And if your beliefs and values are exactly the same as the ones you built your first life on, your second life will be the same life. New version, same life. Okay, so it's important to investigate your beliefs and values 
very seriously and rigorously if you want to build a new life. But anyway, so there's beliefs and values and then a child out of that you cultivate your sense of an energy body or lack of one. You learn how to survive in the system based on the beliefs and values you've cobbled together and the energy body you've cobbled together. And then this evolves into how you've determined you need to be to take care of yourself in the system. Okay, so that was the old life that you deconstructed. So then in this question, okay, so now how do I, rising from the ashes, you know, you still have to put your pants on, you know, one leg at a time and buckle up and move forward. And so what I suggest is, is that we proceed first elementally. And actually before that, I didn't say this in, in two weeks ago in the show, but I want to say this really clearly now. You do not, a human, life, does not go from manifestation to destruction to full manifestation. You go through transition into manifestation. And so part of the impatience that contemporary people have is we have enormous impatience for transitional moments. People cannot be bothered to simply be in transition and to be conscious in transition because it is in the transitions in life that we either gain or lose energy. And so it's very important to pay attention in transition and we're very impatient with transition. So my suggestion was that in this transitional time that you proceed elementally. So first off, why did your soul come here to earth in the first place? That is the first question of incarnation. Why are you here? And so that's this earth question. And then the next question is a heart and soul question. Okay, given the fact that you are here and you are incarnate, you know, you've, you, you're, you're here on the capital E Earth and you are incarnate. The heart and soul question is then, what do you value? Where do you stand on, in yourself on Earth, right? So this was the first thing that you need to explore in this transitional time is what the single thing do you value above all else? And this, this isn't going to work if you have an enormous laundry list of everything you think is good and you think it would be good for you to value those things. You need to tune in to understand what it is that you truly value. Okay. And then create your physical life based on those values. Um, co connect with what you value daily to cultivate a sense of a strong heart and to cultivate your belief in what you value and this is particularly important if your family of origin does not actually value the things that you value this is very important um, you know really be aware of what is worth living for what is worth dying for this is not something that is popular for contemporary people to think about that a lot, every, uh, many, many people would prefer to just run program, not have to think about what it is that they value and why they are here. But if your life has fallen apart or you have torn it apart, you do not have that luxury to not pay attention. So that was, we talked then about value. So then the next step, because you don't want to get excessively earthy and unable to move. So the next step is after you've grounded your life is, um, get a job so 
getting a job then moves you out of your unrealistic survival fears. I mean, I'm sorry, your very realistic survival fears um, and gets you to a place where you can simply take care of yourself. And it's not about there's parameters around, you know, the kind of job that you want to get, which is I talked a lot about in two weeks ago in the show. But the primary thing is you need to take care of yourself because if you're not taking care of yourself, you will derail all higher level thinking and just focus then on survival. And it keeps us in places where, for example, many people, their life is falling apart repeatedly because they have moved into a place of initiation without individuation from their parents. So they're a child effectively being initiated into a mature spiritual life or healing life of some kind, but they're not personally psychologically capable of supporting that. And so their life keeps falling apart because the person that needs to be an adult can't sustain the adult life because the person is still a child. So this, this whole thing of get a job and support yourself is important. It's an earth-based thing to solve your survival-based issues. So you know you can take care of yourself because that also keeps you from being afraid of transitioning between jobs. So many people hang on to a place they uh, need to move on from because they're simply afraid to lose that job. If I lose this job, I'm back in my survival fears because I do not have a belief yet that I am capable of taking care of myself. Okay, so get a job. Okay, so then the next question is a water question. How do we get things flowing? Now that we've grounded ourselves in why we're here, in our values, we've got a job, we're settling in, how do we make sure things keep flowing? And that was uh, the suggestion that you dial in to honesty and lucidity and you set priorities, that you stay out of fantasy thinking. Ask yourself honestly, what will allow me to sustain and support my survival needs? What practices do I need to dedicate myself to? And to begin to do that, don't just keep saying, well, I need to do yoga or qigong. Do it. Start doing it. That manifesting your soul's purpose at this stage when you've just rebuilt a life is not more important than getting your ass to yoga class. Right? So dedicate yourself to your practices. Maintain your health. Or follow the path that is necessary to restore your health. That in and of itself may be the path that takes you most directly to your soul's purpose. Right? So you so the flow piece here, the water piece here is that willingness to shape shift your life and yourself into what is necessary to reconcile with the issues from the past that have diminished your mental and physical health. Um, and in that, begin to do the things that you love. Begin to move energy into the things that you love, even even the things that may ultimately be the full manifestation of your soul's purpose. But they don't have to be happening 24-7. They can happen on the side. They can happen just in a way that allows you to play with them and breathe life into them and to love them, to flow with them. So the important thing to remember is that this is a transitional state that I'm talking about. In the show prior, I wasn't saying it's okay for the thing that you love to always just be on the side. I mean, it may be work for you to do that, but that wasn't the point of what I was saying two weeks ago, and it's not the point of what I'm saying right now. I'm just saying that in transition, 
there is absolutely nothing wrong with doing your soul's work or doing what you love on the side until you've moved to a place of understanding about how to live that energy so that it can take center stage. So the next question, we went from earth to water. The next questions we talked about were fire questions. Talking about the passion in your belly, the fire of truth in your heart, honesty in your heart, and the clarity in your mind. These were all fire questions. And so we talked about cultivating a life that has meaning and purpose to you, that feels deeply fulfilling for you. Not, this should be fulfilling for me because I'm volunteering all of my time taking care of animals. But it doesn't feel fulfilling to me because I'm not spending any time taking care of myself. So this is about honesty. It's about the truth in the heart and cultivating a life that for you has a kind of balance in it that you and care of yourself matters as much as those other things that you would serve. And But, but the important thing about this phase of life is to serve things that are larger than you are. It's critically important to recognize that much of what nourishes us as an individual comes only through our connection with others and serving with others serving some uh, an idea a vision something larger than who we are so and in this way you stoke your own fire um, and it's important to make sure with that fire that it's got fuel and air you know what does that mean in your life so in a culture that tends toward excessive air it's really easy to suffocate your fire um, with excessive emotion and stagnant action, you know, not taking action when you need to. That can really suffocate a fire. But similar, and those things can happen because our air is in excess and we're not bringing the clarity of the mind into our emotional process or into our needing to guide us in taking action. But the other problem, of course, in an excess air culture is just plain old too much air and blowing the fire out. And the fire gets most. Uh, easily blown out when you spend your air time in delusion and fantasy. Vision, vision, vision. I'm so inspired by following this visionary and that visionary and reading this person's writing and that person's writing and not actually grounding that which inspires you into your heart and then into your body where you then take action towards it. That's all very important around fire. Um, so the air, so what's the air doing in this transitional time when the air stays in balance? The important thing about air is continuing to blow clear the debris that we've dismantled from our past. It's about continuing to expose the deeper truths that we still need to let go of that were part of the structure of the past, right? Just because your life has fallen apart doesn't mean you don't still carry the same structure of beliefs and values that the old life was built on. And so the air is really important to expose that old structure so that you can transform it. It's like an old scaffolding that needs to go so you can actually stand on your real legs. right? And um, the other thing about air at this time is about bringing in that which is fresh and new and being able to remember that quality, the air message, you know, in every moment is every moment is potentially the dawn of a new day and that that hope that possibility that passion for life that is an aspect of the air element 
And so the final thing we talked about in the show two weeks ago was that um, being the man or the woman that you came here to be, you know, to live a destiny, to be a human is always a great love story. I mean, if we live our destiny, it's a great love story. And great love stories begin with great passion. So to rebuild your life in a new way, you must be connected to your passion. And great love stories are messy and mistakes will be made and you must allow yourself the mess. And that great love stories touch on deep darknesses, deep dark places and blinding light places. And both of these places can be painful because ultimately that love story is about drawing from these extremes into this place of balance and, and, and moving the story forward along that journey. So by working with the elements, thinking about things elementally, we can stay out of the common excesses, common meaning contemporary people, common excesses that arise from immature emotional life. That we, we tend to be enormously immature emotionally and that creates great excess and the deficiency that arise in our life because we also tend to be fear-based. Again, because the, the, the belief and value system we're operating on was forged in childhood and it tends to be survival-based and tends to be fear-based. Um, so once you have literally grounded your life as an adult who can take care of herself or himself and you're cultivating through the devotion to your practices a kind of spiritual adulthood, you have skills and you're not afraid to use them, you know, then you can actually begin to create a life that will be a new life. And so once you, uh, your, this transitional life that you're creating is sustaining and not teetering in and out of survival issues, um, then you'll be able to devote your resources oh, and you're able to devote resources to practices regularly. Then you can begin to really tune in to your passion and your destiny. But the most important thing about this time is to recognize in the rebuilding of a life from the ashes, you are in a transitional place and you need to work that transition, understanding you can gain great energy in transition if you recognize that you're in transition. Because if you don't and if you fight it, you will lose energy. Not only has your life been destroyed, either because you did it or it got done for you, is then you begin to lose energy. You begin to leak energy and then transition because you so desperately want to be on step 14 when you're only on step 3. And that is a critically important understanding to have. You are in transition, so work that transition. Okay, so let's look at these kind of common contemporary myths that rise up um, when we're in this place of having to rebuild a life and see if we can deconstruct them and find some kind of component of the truth in that. So the one sort of mythic realm that really rises up when people are in this place of my life just fell apart, how do I build a new life, is the idea that you can start where you've not yet begun. It's one of the ways that people misinterpret the use of the secret and some of these other sort of motivational uh, change your mind, change your life kind of ideas. There, there is truth in that. But it is often twisted and misused. You cannot start where you have not yet begun. 
this is the problem for most people in the life that just fell apart is that they did start where they had not yet begun. They just pulled in the teachings and started using them without having any foundation or base for right use of those practices. So this tends to arise because we can get too much information without having to work for it at all. There is no journey of transformation in Googling, you know, and just buying things through the internet and incorporating them into your life. Not that that doesn't have value, but it in and of itself is not a great journey. And, and the journey does matter. So in the context of creating a life from the ashes of your old life, keep in mind that you cannot, you cannot start where you have not yet begun. You cannot give to others what you do not have yourself because you have not because others are giving it to you but because you are giving it to yourself and you cannot lead others where you have not followed there are far far too many people that take a class and then turn around and teach it in so many different things without ever integrating into their own life and following the path laid out by the class they've just taken okay so here are some versions of this kind of mythic realm of starting where you've not yet begun. So the first great myth is um, my great idea is enough for me to get a job. You know, so I've just done this specialized um, master's or I've always wanted to be in city planning, but I'm 35 years old and I've never had a job in city planning. Um, but I have this great idea for how to reorganize the parking and the bike riding and the traffic in the city. And because I have such a great idea, you need to give me a job. No one in their right mind would give you a job. Because anyone who's actually working, actually working, understands that the problems matter. The problems may be utterly based on false ideas, but the problems of life are very much like the artist's choice of, I have this vision of this artistic piece, and I'm limited to the mediums that are here for me to use to manifest that vision. So a path of destiny is art. It is being an artist. And so you need to approach the challenges and the problems in life with the same way the artist approaches paint or stone or inventing something so that they can actually manifest their vision, which is a lot of what's happened through technology for artists. You know, a lot of photographers have moved into this technology to manipulate photography, to be able to manifest something that um, – they want uh, in their vision they see but the mediums to manifest it don't yet exist the point of all of this is it is the challenge of the thing in the way that sparks the creativity to manifest and so back to the city planner yes it's a great idea but that idea has not yet engaged with the actual challenges of running traffic flow in a city in a real way. And those challenges are the raw material to create the art of the city planning for traffic flow. So it, the important thing is your great idea, if you're not yet 
in that world is just another great idea. It is not enough to get you hired because you have started, I have the solution, before you've begun, before you've gotten your feet wet and your face dirty in the reality of this work in the world. New people come into my community each year through Mass of the Illusion. They come up against some of the challenges of being in community and they immediately start to solve that quote-unquote problem. When many of those things aren't actually problems, it's just the nature of being in community and how it challenges us to move beyond ourselves, to sacrifice, to serve, to give, and through that, to enter into a level of intimacy that usually when people come into the community, they're not at all comfortable with. So again, your great idea is not enough. And that is a big myth, especially of people coming out of training programs and out of school and out of the educational realm. There's nothing wrong with getting an education, but your great idea is not enough unless you are willing to then turn that great idea into something. And, and that's, of course, the path we're really talking about is how do I get from a place where my life has fallen apart into a place where I'm really manifesting my own great idea, my own vision, my own destiny. Okay. So another version of myth out there is I left corporate America, which is bad. And this means I'm good because I left, I'm good. So everything should come to me now. Because corporate America is bad and I left that. And there's this sense of, you know, phew, I, I just left this thing that was killing me. And so now, you know, bring me into your healing group. Um, give me a position here. Give me a position there. This idea that the very – the fact of the leaving of corporate America makes you good. And the truth of the matter is corporate America isn't bad. It's exactly what we dreamt it up to be. We wanted to be able to stay children, to have what we want when we want it, whenever we want it, with someone else cleaning up our mess and somebody else paying for it. Corporate America is exactly what we dreamt it up to be. It is neither bad nor good. It is. It is manifest in the dreaming because we dreamt it. And so you're not going to create a new life for yourself until you understand that. And this, I, this simplistic idea of corporate America bad, me good, because I left it, that isn't going to get you anywhere because it's wrong thinking. Okay. Another myth is the myth of the easy. You know, when I was um, young and impressionable, there were many uh, truths out there, but they're misused truths. I didn't understand enough yet to understand they were misused. And one of them is that if you do what you love, the money will come. And the truth of the matter is that is profoundly naive. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do what you love, but that doesn't necessarily mean anybody's going to give you any money for it. Because the structure of value is created within a culture. It's a big story. And what you love may not have any value in your culture. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. But the fact that people can't figure out how they're going to make any money doing what they love becomes a reason people don't do what they love. And that's not valid thinking. You need to do what it is that you love and take care of yourself. Those things may be the same thing. Maybe they're not. Maybe right now they're not. 
But in doing what you love and meeting the challenges out there in doing what you love, eventually you come into a certain innovation or mastery around something that does allow you to then have that be your whole life. But this this uh, belief that uh, if you do what you love, the money will come keeps people often from actually exploring what they truly love. And that's uh, – so again, a myth, an abuse of a spiritual truth that's a myth. So what do you do? What do you do when you're caught in the mythic realm of trying to start where you've not begun? Well, you need to begin. So you've grounded your life. Right, As we talked about elemental, you've grounded your life, things are flowing, you're taking care of yourself, you're doing your practices, your health, your mental, your emotional health is being restored, and you're starting to connect with your passion and your truth and your clarity about why you're here. So all that stuff is coming online. So given the life you want to manifest, okay, so now that's a big given, right? What life do you want to manifest? And this is very important here. Because of the principle that I think is true, which is be careful what you wish for. Okay. So if I use myself as an example, never in my life have I ever nor will I ever say to myself, I want to be a shaman. I want to manifest that dream. I don't actually want to be a shaman. What I think about is I want to live my soul's purpose. And I want to find a vehicle, a good vehicle for that soul's purpose, whatever it is, right? I want to live a, I personally want to live a life that is a path of mastery. Some people don't, right? Path of mastery is a particular way of being. There's some people that don't, that you serve other life essences that don't lend themselves to the rigors of a path of mastery. They lend themselves to a rigor of a different kind of life. And that's fine. It's important to know that about yourself and that's that's the challenge here of given the life you want to manifest what life do you want to manifest maybe you don't want a path of mastery where you're constantly going to be unlearning and learning again constantly falling apart and building it back up again constantly refining and aligning some people don't want to do that that's fine there are many essences that we serve so for me, I also wanted a life of freedom. There's a whole lot of people that don't want this much freedom. And that's fine. They want something else. They're serving another essence in their life. And so a really important thing to come to understand in this transitional life is, transitional time, is what do you serve? What life do you want to manifest? Okay, so then once you've sorted that piece out, and you know, you've got a grounded life, you sorted that out, you've clarified what you want to manifest, then relative to what you want to manifest, there's four beginning questions. Question number one, what needs to die? Now, granted the fact that your life has just fallen apart, that might not be a huge long list, but there's still going to be things there. Assessing yourself and your life relative to that which you want to manifest, what is going to need to die? What is in the way? And how do you kill it? Now, this requires really rigorous self-honesty. So, for example, I spoke with a man who was depressed. And he was depressed because he had manifest 
the life that he dreamed of. He he had married a woman that was the woman of his dreams. And to be honest, she was prettier and more intelligent than he ever expected to be with. He, they had children. And she turned around and it, his feeling was that in the divorce, she was taking everything. The kids, the money, everything. And going off on her own without him. And he was depressed. So the thing that needs to that he needs to kill off that that you know the thing that needs to die is the depression if he's going to go forward and build a new life but trying to kill the depression is going to miss the point what he needs to kill off is that story that that still looking at this woman as if she was the woman of his dreams but to see her as a whole person to see the rest of her to see it honestly to understand the whole experience differently so the the beliefs and the stories about that are the pieces that need to be killed off because depression in that situation is an honest response, the healthy response. The depression in and of itself isn't a problem, but the depression is pointing to other things that definitely need to die. Okay. Question number two, what help do I need to ask for? Which leads into how do I ask for it and whom do I ask? Now, this ties into what I hope to have time to talk about at the end of the show, which is who guides you in your journey in life. But the most important thing here is how do you have ways to ask for help that do not require that you disempower yourself? And this, for me, is one of the great values of learning shamanic journeying, even if you do nothing else shamanic in your life but to reforge your connection with your helping spirits in a working relationship that goes beyond your intuition, that goes beyond your, because shamanic skills extend our natural human intuition. But our natural human intuition can be limited by our beliefs and values, whereas our helping spirits can help us get far enough out to look back at that. And so, anyway, so the point is, Ask for help. How do you do it? Who do you ask? And how do you do it in a way that does not disempower you? Question number three, what will I need to have faith in? And this is the place where our contemporary new age beliefs gets most in our way. Because what I need to have faith in is really talking about those things I can truly do nothing about. They are truly outside of my control and I need to surrender and let go. And for most people, there's a great deal of self-deception in this, that they get to this place where I want to call in this vision, so I'm just going to trust the law of attraction, do my intentions here in the morning, and then go on about living exactly the way I was before. And that's not going to work, right? And so the important thing here is, you know, what do I need to have faith in that is truly right now feels impossible to me? And what is it that I need to surrender to so that faith can flow through me to build that bridge from where I am now to where it is that I want to go? So the function of faith is the idea that we need faith is often used to bypass the actual work we need to do and to avoid the terror of those places in our life where we actually do need to surrender and let go. And why would we bother to face that terror? Because of the fourth question, what needs to be born? And so the important thing about this, which goes back to 
why we don't just go from old life to new life, but there's this transition. Even if you have a great idea, there is still a transition because something needs to be born. So what is the conception relative to the life you want to manifest? How do you create conception? How do you tend the gestation? Right? How do you give birth to it? Right? Then how do you support and maintain and sustain it while it is in its fledgling form? You know, things don't just sprout up and have an ear of corn there, right? There's a whole lot of growing that needs to happen before there's any corn, right? And this is why your good idea is not enough. You need to understand the conception, the gestation, the birth, the maintaining and sustaining that allows that great idea to finally take shape. This is the place where people falter in how do I create the life I want from where I am because they do not have the patience to give birth, to truly go through all the stages to be able to give birth to the life they truly want to manifest. This is why we need spirit help. These are big questions. No one else can answer them for us, but we can certainly work with our helping spirits to come to these answers. So there's a second mythic realm that I see contemporary people sort of falling into when they're uh, wanting to manifest the life that they truly want. And it's the belief that you can avoid what you fear and still create something new. Um, And the important thing is that the creation of life, especially a new life, something that is truly new, is is, – It is a journey and it requires warriorship. The emotional warriorship is the willingness to face your fears honestly and transform them. What is real? What is not real? The mental warriorship is about cultivating true discernment and the ability to see reality and yourself in it. Spiritual warriorship is about sitting in the fire of your life and not avoiding it, not bypassing it, not denying it, but being willing to step into it and embrace those things, especially those things within yourself that feel like the enemy and to be with them in a way to discover that path of transformation. And the physical warriorship is the willingness to step into whatever it takes to do what it is, follow the path and do the work to manifest. And 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 I and I say follow the path without meaning you actually understand what that path is. Because honestly, if anyone had told me 15 years ago that this is what my life would look like today, one, I wouldn't have believed them, but I wouldn't have wanted it because I wasn't that person yet. And so there's a huge piece that gets uh, ignored in this sort of new agey false understanding of the effort to create a life that ignores the fact that that if you were ready to live that life, you would be. So you have to become the person who can live that life you want to manifest. So you actually have to transform. It's not about the rest of life. It's not about your boss creating the job for you. It's about you creating the job for you. And that's one of the great myths of contemporary life is that I deserve, I am entitled to living my soul's purpose and you, the boss of this company, need to make a job that works for me. And that's just not true. You need to make a job that works for you. Another myth 
in this uh, particular mythic realm of avoiding um, your fears is the myth of this is who I am. No, it's not. We need to be willing to transform into the person who can live the life that we want to manifest. And most people's sense of who they are and what their limitations are, are true only in the moment. But as an actual factual limitation, it is entirely false. Human beings can transform, they can change, they are adaptable. And that most of that can be done without pharmaceuticals. All right, we just have to be willing to commit to the practices um, we need to be willing to avoid the behaviors. I and mean, there are certain things we need to do to be that person. And so this idea, well, this is just who I am. I'm a mumbler. You know, this is just who I am. I'm ungrounded. This is just who I am. I can't journey. This is just who I am. You know, it's like, what? What destiny is going to come to a person who is willing at, you know, some young age of 20s and 30s, even 40s, of saying, this is just who I am. I can't do any better than this. Really? Really? If I would was your destiny, I would wander off and go find somebody else because you're boring me. Right? Really? You aren't willing to transform yourself for me? I'm your destiny. Right? Destiny is a relationship. It's a great love affair. You know, you're courting your destiny. You need to be someone your destiny wants to be with. So this whole, well, it's just who I am. No, it's not. Become who you need to be to live the life that you want to manifest. Um, another myth uh, that kind of fits in the same category of, well, this is just who I am, is that positive thinking. So sort of overlaying my old belief system with positive thinking is going to allow me to ignore my fundamental lack of self-esteem. Now, there is a great truth to change your mind, change your life. I'm not saying, but it isn't the whole story. And that there are some very deep reasons we have things in our mind that are not rooted in our mind. But the reason we have that belief or value in our mind or fear in our mind actually rests in our heart, perhaps deep in our belly around survival, in our soul loss, in our shadow selves, even in our unresolved ancestral patterns. It doesn't matter how you change your mind relative to those things. You are not going to change the aspects of your life that are being shaped by those deeply, deep, unresolved heart and soul issues. So understanding when is it about you changing your mind to change your life and when is that just a bypass and that what you really need to do is face your fear and go deeper into the healing that will actually take you to the source of why your mind is holding that fear or that belief. We are more than our minds. Our minds are critically important, but we are more than our minds. So the questions for these are, what fears do you need to face? Where has your discernment failed you? And what must you do to clear within yourself so that your own capacity for discernment can be trusted. You know, it comes online and resonates with a greater sense of truth. So what behaviors do you need to stop? You know, probably has to do with your diet. You know, all of these things. What needs to change within you so that, and the way that you live your life so that your discernment 
is on point and trustworthy. Um, so that's two, discernment. Number three is, um, are you willing to do what it takes? If not, why not? Because you're the only one that can live your path of destiny. It's not your boss's job, it's yours. And are you willing to sit in the fire? Are you willing to embrace those aspects of yourself you do not currently accept and transform them into the allies they are really meant to be? So these are then the next sets of questions. That's the level we need to be engaging in our life if we want to be the person that can manifest our own destiny. So this is our task, to feel that flow that wants to move through us and to make sure that we are not blocking that flow. And to love ourselves enough to throw ourselves into that current, that current of that great river, and become our part of that enormous dreaming that is dreaming manifestation into existence. And to do so in a way that has such flair, such joy, such laughter, that it draws others into their own current and into the dreaming with us. This is the task of the living. So, I want to thank you all for listening here today. I want to thank the ancestors for gathering around us, human and non-human, for the earth below and the sky above, and for the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.